Let's take a break from the intraday talk and discuss anxiety, behavioral finance, and how to avoid the pitfalls of those themes as you're investing personally. Scott Nation's new book, The Anxious Investor, is out now. He's the president of Nation's Indexes, author of The Anxious Investor, following up after the history of uh, the U.S. and five crashes. Great to have you here in studio, Scott. It's great, it's great to be back, Oliver. It's been a long time since we've done this. You are the debut uh, back here in studio. The Anxious Investor is out now and also available online, of course, yep. uh, and uh, the audio book, of which, of course, uh, spoken by Scott Nations, is definitely gonna be a good way to consume this. Tell me about it. How does it follow on to your last book? Well, it's intended to be a fun read, and I think it is, and I talk about three, uh, give three narratives for three famous crashes uh, that followed bubbles. So the okay. first one is, is the South Sea bubble of 1720. And then we talk about, I talk about the internet bubble. And then I talk about what happened in 2008 and 2009. Which are ones you didn't get into too much in five crashes. No, the, I first, recall. the first two, 1720, which is famous, fascinating yeah. South Sea bubble. I didn't discuss at all. And I didn't discuss uh, the internet bubble in five crashes. So this is new. Right. And again, it's intended to be fun. And I, I go through the narratives. But in the course of the narratives, they're really the canvas for talking about behavioral biases in investing. And every investor shows them, everyone displays them. And Oliver, the problem is that none of them, none of the behavioral biases that I talk about, and again, I talk about 15 of them, none of them help investing returns. Everyone hurts your investing returns. Mm. And so uh, I, we've, there's plenty of research to show that uh, in these biases really, really impact long-term investment returns. So you're specifically targeting common uh, behavioral mistakes or tendencies that people have and doing this in the context of uh, how they played roles in, in different crashes, relating it to kind of maybe the personalities of different crashes? As an example, uh, talk about the South Sea bubble of 1720. There's a perfect example there of what is called among researchers, the disposition effect. And mm -hmm. what is that? That's the fact that traders and investors tend to sell winners and hold losers. Right. And you know, Oliver, we wrap it up thinking, oh, I'm being disciplined. Right. I'm not being greedy, so I'm, I'm taking waiting until my, my losing stock goes up. And I'm being I'm being patient. But there's plenty of research to show that it, that's not really what's going on. We're trying to we're trying to realize a profit because of all the swirl of, of chemistry in our brains that makes us feel so happy when that happens. And there's also more research, and it's wonderful research, that shows that when you do that, when you sell a winner, you tend to buy a stock that will underperform what you owned. So mm. if you just kept it, you would have done better than, uh, than, if you ha than by selling and buying something else. And the same is true on the, other, uh, on the other side of that. People tend to hold their losers, and they're losers for a reason. There's, a, there's math behind this, right? I mean, we can quantify, uh, and there's studies, I, you know, I assume I've read some of these as behavioral finance, uh, economics has become so big uh, for a lot of folks um, that have explored this topic. Where'd you go to, to kind of find and, and pull from, uh, from, from the data and the research? Tell me about how you, you built into this. There, there's a wonderful bulk of research on all of these biases. Terry O'Dean, who's a professor at Cal Berkeley, uh, has written, a tremendous amount of stuff and quantified the impact that the disposition effect has on mm. on your portfolio. Uh, there's another one I talk about that's loss aversion. And then, you know, we think, oh boy, that's really normal. Yeah. You know, everybody should be averse to losses. But Oliver, what really happens is we are about twice as averse to losses 
that is, we hate losses about twice as much as we like gains. <laughs> right. Okay, well, and that doesn't make too much sense, but that loss aversion perverts some of the um, uh, investments that people make or causes them to sell at the very bottom. Mm. Because they just they get to the point I, they cannot stand, they physically can't stand to lose any more money in their portfolio, mm. and so they end up selling at the bottom. And there's a bunch of research about that. And Which is like the biggest mistake generally you can make. <laughs> uh, right. And there's, you know, there, I also talk about herding. We're human, mm. so we have a tendency to herd. And part of that, Oliver, is when things are really uh, not going well, when there's a, a ton of turmoil in the market, we tend to look around and see what somebody else is doing. And we think, oh, they've got it figured out. Right. And so I'm just going to copy what they're doing. And that is the sort of herding that we saw. We saw it in 1720 with South Sea. We, we certainly saw it in the internet bubble. Mm -hmm. And I talk about some of the um, worthy companies in the internet bubbles, but also some of the unworthy companies. But people herded into them because they, oh, my neighbor is buying XYZ. That, That's the part that kind of sounds like now a little bit. It, it, the yeah, herding that, side. And not, and not necessarily just in equities, but there are lots of places where I think we can see that. And, um, and that, that, that really hammers investment returns because yeah. you buy at the top, and then you don't sell until you see everybody else selling at the bottom. Right. So I go through this book and then I kind of identify maybe where my particular as a reader weaknesses are. Did you find anything when you were reading you said, okay, that's, that's the nation's weak spot. That's the, my Achilles heel. A wonderful question. Absolutely. And, and I think everybody will, will see the 15. They'll read about the 15 and they'll say, no, not so much, not so much, <laughs> yeah. not so much. Uh -huh. For me, it's overconfidence. Okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> Not uh, the hurting part, maybe the opposite, whatever the opposite exactly. of hurting is. Right, I don't think I tend to hurt very much, but I am overconfident. Investors yeah. are overconfident, uh, overconfident about their ability to pick winning stocks, mm. their ability to time the market, yep. uh, their ability to get out at the appropriate time, their yep. ability to construct a properly diversified portfolio. Uh, investors are overconfident in nearly every way that makes us human. And the interesting, th and there's a bunch of research about this too. And the interesting thing is that men are more overconfident than women, the research shows. And I'm married, fortunately. You, on the other hand, <laughs> single men are I've more. got no balance. <laughs> single men are even more overconfident than men in general. Mm. Now, uh, when you're doing this, how much did you look around currently? I know, obviously, last time you went deep into the history books. You did this again, it sounds like, with the yeah. South Sea Bubble, with .com. How much does it come into the present day? Did you venture that far to identify what the behavioral mistakes might be happening on a broader scale today? Yeah, the, the goal is to make the the learnings kind of all weather. Okay. That is, you know, it, we're going to talk about overconfidence, and we may talk about it in the in the context of the internet bubble, or we're going to talk about herding or disposition in the context of the the South Sea bubble. The the goal is to not say, oh, and this is now happening with sure. with crypto or sure. with this or with. The the goal is to kind of make it, first of all, fun to read, mm -hmm. uh, but also a little kind of sneaky, informative, sneaky, educational. Right. And then when people sit down to trade or set up their portfolio or that's, maybe they'll, they'll think, I, my goal is that they'll think about these things and realize, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I, 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 I recognize this is what Scott was talking about and I'm not gonna fall for it. Okay, so you have to read it with the uh, open, a self-critical mind. I'll say the, one of the first books I ever read in finance was your options book, which was basically just math, but crashes uh, was an impressive degree of narrative 
uh, and uh, fun read built into it. So I'm excited for the anxious investor. Scott, great to have you back here. And Thanks great so to uh, uh, open up the studio again and have you back here in person. Thanks so much, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. It was a lot of fun to write. Yeah. I hope it's as much fun to read. Sure thing. The Anxious Investor by Mr. Scott Nations. Out now, just in time for a little uh, summer read, as uh, maybe we'll get some warmth here in Chicago. Appreciate Scott Nations. Always a pleasure uh, joining us here in studio. The Anxious Investor out now. I might do the audio book so I can listen to the soothing tones of Mr. Nations on the way into work.